Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana. And I'm Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so we can be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we're going to be talking about mid-fall marching band. Your first competition is over, and now what? Before we begin, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Dynamic Marching Shop. The podcast is coming to you ad-free, and one way you can support us is by visiting our website, dynamicmarching.com, and purchasing products through our store at some of the most discounted prices on the web, on things like shoes, rifles, podiums, megavoxes, and even maces. So uh, I know many times you just continue to order your products from the same people every year, but if you look at our prices, you might change your mind. We even offer deeper discounts on large orders. So please give us a chance to win your business. We're excited about this podcast because it's the first one that has been brought to us by a listener. So on our Facebook page, we got the great suggestion of saying, okay, I've gone to my first contest and I'm trying to decipher these judges tapes. Uh, What do I do? And we also thought, you know, there are several things that after you've gone to your first contest that should be debriefed and kind of figured out before you go on to the next set of stuff. So are we going to talk about judges tapes first or kind of come back to that? No, I think that, well, the overview is going to be, we want to talk about judges tapes, then maybe behavioral problems, which we have actually even more information in our next podcast about performance problems and administrative problems as you go through it. So I think we should jump right into, you've listened to the judges tapes and you're just overwhelmed. You thought you had a good band and then you realized you probably should be a better car salesman. And in fourth place. That's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, So I think the first thing I wanted to talk to you about on this is just because you and I both judge. um, I judged for DCI for a while and then I've judged for BOA for a while. And the worst thing you could possibly do is go into critique mad. Oh, absolutely. And I've seen it so many times. There is no positive benefit. No judge is going to go into critique and go, you know what? You're exactly right. I am so sorry. You're being so intense about it has made me change my mind. Exactly. It's just the opposite, really. You know, it sets the bad tone. Critique, that's really not what critique is for. Um, You know, you want to go in there prepared. And so I would suggest going uh, and listening to the tapes before you get to critique. By the way, I think it's funny we still call them tapes in the in the industry. <laughs> uh, I don't know what we're going to call them ten years from now. The uh, the files or I don't know. But um, right, you know, there's nothing worse from a judge's standpoint when someone walks in and they really haven't listened to what you said. And so, you know, you just judged fifteen or sixteen bands, and you know they want to know specifics about what you liked and didn't like about the show. Well, that's what the tape was for. That's why we run a tape as a judge during the show is so that each part of the show, that's the comment based on what's going on at that time. I think that I've never, well, I've never gone into critique and we just had our first one this past weekend. I've never gone in without a major surprise that was positive. Like, wow, you, you liked that? Oh, that was a mistake <laughs> a rehearsal <laughs> yeah. that just kind of stayed in, but you like it. I've also had the surprise of, we worked really hard on this and and you hated it. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And then they told me several things that I knew, but I needed to hear it again. I, you know, I, I think, Jeff, you're going to talk about this a little bit later, but making sure that your staff is on that same page is vitally important. There's nothing worse than going in as the the band director and having one of the techs decide that's where they're going to take issue with any of the judges. That's the kiss of death. 
Absolutely. And, and back when I was judging DCI in the early 2000s, the absolute best at this was the Cavaliers staff. Um, they were very well trained by, by their administration, by their caption heads. They would come in with a notebook. I, I remember seeing it. There was a line down the middle. Left-hand side was positive. Right-hand side was negative. And then they kind of had it squared off by first movement, second movement, third movement, fourth movement, or whatever. And um, they would come in and they would just say, you know, in the first movement, you talked about this positive. We really appreciate that. We've been working hard on that. And you also mentioned this negative. And uh, we just want to know, you know, maybe you didn't see it the way we say it, or maybe we could talk through this a little bit more. And and even their young staff members were really good at educating me as a judge, you know, and that's what I really liked. It wasn't coming down on me for not seeing something. It was more like, hey, you know, maybe next time you could notice this. So, in, you know, just so everybody knows, this is from an article that Jeff has written. And you know, his first thing, just to kind of keep us on track here, is listen to the tapes beforehand. And number two, check your ego and your temper at the door and make sure the staff is doing that, too. It is no emotion in, should be involved in this critique. Right. It is all absolutely factual and inf- information gathering. You can process it outside the room, but get the information there. Um, yeah, and you're going to see this judge again, and so I think this yeah. is a this is a, a really great opportunity to develop relationships over time. You know, we all know judges we've seen year after year and you develop that relationship. You don't want to burn that bridge because you're definitely going to see them again. The third thing um, is never talk about your competitor in critique. Right. Well, well, you you said so-and-so did this or you gave them more points or whatever. That leads to nowhere. It, it is just a a bottomless pit where no good can come from it. Now you go outside at the end of the season, if you want to do some comparing and contrasting and, and seeing some things, well, that's, that's your business and your time. But the, the more I um, stopped associating myself with the competition side of it and really went to what are we trying to teach the kids and what's going to help us be better and more understood, then I, I didn't really care about what they said about any of the other groups. Uh, so that's right. a... Really, yeah, a lot really of judges will shut thing. you down right away and say, that's, you know, we're here to talk about your group on this day, this particular performance. You know, you can talk to your neighbors and your staff members and all that about the other groups. Um, you know, the most common thing you hear in critique is we do way more than so-and-so. Right. And it's just not a productive discussion because the scores are already done. And, yes. you know, we're developing a relationship we're explaining to this judge maybe some things they missed, maybe some things you want them to see next time. And and it's just a conversation. That's all it is. Yes. That that is a big one. The whole idea of apples and oranges. And in, in this form, we're saying, well, they only did through the ballot and we did everything. Um, well, that's like trying to compare, you know, a school orchestra with the Chicago Symphony. I can hear the Chicago Symphony play a scale and I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas a high school orchestra, it's a different, it's a, just a different thing. Same thing with a high school band versus, you know, Eastman Wind Ensemble. It, it, there is, there is no good that comes from the, well, they, we did seven minutes, they did four minutes, therefore we should be, this is not an endurance battle uh, right. or a and marathon. That brings me to the next point is that it's early season and nobody's very polished and nobody has a full show out there. And the actual scores really don't mean a lot. 
Uh, what does yeah. matter a lot, though, is the value of a tenth. And we could talk a little bit about that. I'm sure you're familiar with it. But right. for our listeners who have never heard of that particular phrase, this is something that's very common in the judging community. And it basically is like when you when you look at one group versus an ex, another group, you know, if you're 0.1 to 0.3 or some, somewhere around in there between those groups in a subcaption, that's basically saying it's a tie. It's a, it's a toss up. You know, as a judge, you're making a judgment call. Uh, this group's above that one. But really, you know, if you're within 0.3 of another group within a subcaption, you should be really happy about that because that means, you know, that could go either way next time. Whereas if you're, you know, if you're a full point away from another group, that that sometimes is a way of a judge saying, you know, this probably isn't in the same ballpark, at least at this point in the season, is that you would have to make major changes to catch that other group. And I think it's it's important if you watch some, there's some groups who are really good at um, early season trickery. <laughs> yeah. you know, Greg Bim was terrific at this, uh, at Marion. I mean, there were so many times we didn't have nearly enough show to, uh, where we were going to get a penalty. And so he would, okay, we're going to put a flute solo in here uh, to begin the show. So mm-hmm. the show actually began a minute into what was there. And we just had a flute solo playing um, to make sure that there was time. Uh, the same idea with putting on a fake ending. I We may or may not have used the closer from the previous year to make sure that we had enough of the show done <laughs> to make stuff go. So it, it it is just, it's the numbers are basically saying that on this day, this is what I saw. And Jeff's, Jeff's exactly right. Looking at, you know, some of those groups were like, I, I think the best thing that I ever did was I started looking at the groups who, I, you know, I want to be able to get that number in October. So what are they doing and what do they look like? Um, Darren Davis is another master at this of, of um, you know, spending the time on the things that are going to be the most effective and the most useful in those early competitions. And, and they're going to give their kids the best uh stuff like for example saying that uh, we're going to make sure that the very beginning the first 30 seconds and the last 30 seconds of the show are as as powerful and as solid as possible because that's your hello and goodbye yeah they're really good at that at broken arrow absolutely right right when you see when you see draw you in and then they end big yeah absolutely and so when you see those those kinds of numbers what the judges are seeing is is something that yes we know it's not a, a full 8 to 10 minute show but what was there was complete and felt solid so if you're if you're getting to a place where you're stopping at a down ending of the ballad um, you mm. might want to rethink that just for next year. You don't have time to change it now. Just the, the thing that I would say is look at the numbers carefully. The bigger thing for you is to look at your numbers and say, um, is there a discrepancy between our visual and music numbers? Then is there a discrepancy between our ensemble and individual numbers? Then is there a discrepancy between our effect numbers? Yeah. You can learn a ton. There are some hard lessons to be learned in doing your own uh, arithmetic, if you will, in in that. So, like for example, we we know a few years ago that we had a gap in one of those categories, and we've worked really hard over the past two years, when, even in the design, saying, okay, we know that we struggle a little bit with this caption, so we want to start now with that in mind. And I think uh, we're still a few wait a few weeks away from this, but uh, just understanding the difference between ranking and rating is important as well. Mm. Is that your score is your rating? 
Um, and that's, you know, we all want to have high ratings each week, but the ranking also, when we, when we get into competitions, like I know you're going down to a BOA regional in Florida this weekend, you know, the, the actual ranking is if you're in a prelim situation, you don't even need to worry about score because those judges are worried about, okay, if I've got 40 bands in prelims, what are the best 12 that are going to make finals? They're not really... You know, they're not maybe yes, they're using the rubrics and all that, but really what they're doing is getting the ranking correct so that at the night show those judges can get the rating perfect, if that makes sense. And I think for for the folks out there, I, I was fortunate enough to go to my old high schools. Uh I went to their football game and to a band contest that they attended back in North Carolina. And it is not BOA. Um which is fine. And I think that many of our listeners are probably involved in non-BOA competitive contests. So I think you have to be strategic when you do that. Number one, don't just go to a contest because you can win. Right. Um, I, I Do I think that it's important to go to a contest where you have a fair shot at winning your class? I, I do. Unfortunately, we all live in a world where parents and administrators don't always understand the value of going to BOA Grand Nationals and being 56th and how that's probably more valuable than being, you know, first at, at a a local contest. There's maybe a little bit more education on that. At the same time, uh, I don't think that we should shy away from that. It, it is okay to go to a contest that I know we've got a good shot at winning our class because there is nothing like, there's nothing that breeds success like success and giving your kids some momentum, I think is strong. The, the only caveat I would add to that is making sure you know who the judges are. I'm always surprised when I talk with band directors about, you know, they've gone to a certain contest and they were really excited. And I said, well, who were the judges? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a little, that, that's a little bit of a dangerous, a slippery slope. I guess I would say that, that you're going down. You're only worried about a win rather than about the learning and the growth that goes on. So I guess for for the folks that that spend more time in the local contest circuit, there is nothing wrong with that. You know, Jeff and I do a total program success uh, presentation and even class where we talk about, you know, not everybody should go to BOA. They really shouldn't, but you should define your own success. And one of the ways of doing that is making sure that you are getting better each year. Well, the only way you can get better each year is going to places with judges that are going to give you great information. So yes, go to a contest where you feel like you're going to win the class, but also go to somewhere, you know, you're not, you're not there. I've learned more from loss than I've learned from winning. Me too. The younger directors, boy, you got to get your ego out of the way. Um, You know, help the kids, help them find what the, the, you know, what winning is like, but the, (laughs) the growth that can come from quote unquote losing. See, losing is a bad word nowadays. We think that that's a dirty word that we should never say. But to me, losing just means that I've now been given more information so that I can be better. When we've, you know, we've been fortunate enough to win a regional now and we walked out of it going, okay, what do we want to do next? Mm -hmm. And we didn't really go at it the same way as when we lost. Nobody likes to lose. But I think that if you see that as part of the process, it, it totally changes the way that you approach it. And more importantly, it changes the way that you approach your kids. Again, making sure that it's not about they are a tool 
for your ego check and a competitive blunt object, if you will. They're not your, um, you know, those long sticks that they used to use with gladiators, you know, American gladiator. They'd have right. the, the big, the, the big padded sticks to just hit each other with. That's sometimes what I feel like we do with kids. I, I've seen so many directors get bent out of shape on the day of a contest because the kids just aren't focused like they normally are. And, and that's part of what you and I were talking about, uh, before the podcast, which is administrative problems is just, you know, this time of year is a good time of year to remind your staff of that. Yeah. Making sure that your staff knows the importance of the contest. It is not about winning that day. It's about keeping the kids focused and honest and clear about what they're doing. They can learn a ton just by watching other bands or even in the bus parking lot, we learn a lot just how people get off the bus. Making sure your staff knows that we are not there to bring home plasticware. We're here to get smarter and better. You know, um, I can tell you that um, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I remember watching Center Grove get off the buses. Uh, Center Grove's always had a great marching band program. And I was like kind of blown away. And I thought, you know, our kids are well behaved, but these kids are they, they immediately get off the bus walking tall. They don't run. Even though when they're not right. in uniform yet, they calmly walk and they change their uniforms. They have a very specific way. They fold their jacket over their Shaco and they put it under their arm. It almost seemed like the cadets drum and bugle corps. And I was like, whoa, we have a long way to go. And so I took a number of years, uh, you know, working with our students on how to be better at that. I think it's really uh, something that you can learn from other groups. Right. So after we've talked about the judges tapes, and we, we're going into now these administrative issues, of course, staff coordination. The other part I would say with the staff is that you want to make sure that with the warm up time and with just the demeanor of the day, what is the acceptable rate of that? If you haven't gone through that warm up time until the day of the contest, it's too late. Right. We've been doing that for two weeks now. Every warm-up we do is a contest warm-up, and we have what we call our hit list. And These are the things we're going to hit every single time. So when the kids go into warm-up, uh, they, they can pretty much run it themselves as far as point A to point B. Now, we have to give the feedback, but they know exactly what it is. That Going reminds on, me, real quick, Bobby, I was watching yeah. uh, our football team warm-up before the last football game last week. And the uh, the defensive line and their coaches were down in the end zone by where the band is. And they went from exercise to exercise the same way we do. It yeah. was so cool. And I was like, you know, their pre-show warm-up reminded me so much of what we do. Uh, you know, there was no thinking. It was like, hey, we're doing this drill. And they got, in, right. they got lined up. They did this thing where they escaped from their partner and then they switched places. And yeah. I think uh, I think that's a great uh, parallel from, from what we're doing and what other groups are doing. Right. Absolutely. Well, to wrap up this administrative thing, the staff coordination is really one of the biggest parts of it, but there are some, uh, not a lot to say about it, but they are major issues. For example, just making sure that you have the day clearly planned. I'll give you an example. I often will have this great fear that I've forgotten to get the buses. So I will call probably at least two times between the ordering back in August until the actual day. And now, now my, my colleague, Lanny Radicke takes care of that, but I will ask her at least twice, are you sure you have the buses? Because there's no, I have the, my, my band nightmare 
is showing up, getting ready to go to Grand Nationals, and all the kids standing around, and no buses ever come. It's I wake up with a cold sweat from time to time with that. So making sure, you know, go through the day. The buses have to get here at this time. It takes this much time to load the buses, both equipment and people. Then we have to go from point A to point B, and understanding that most buses, for every, I kind of figure out for every hour that we have to be on the bus, I need to add about another 10 minutes because of just bus travel. Time then, is a, time is, is a huge issue this yeah, time of year. I time mean, management. I, and, but you want to, you, you also don't want to go the other direction where you get them to, you get them to the contest way too early because they will start to get creative with their <laughs> own time. And that's the last thing that you want. You don't want them standing around in a parking lot for an hour and a half because that's when they say, Hey, what's this? Or, hey, do you think I could do this? And ankles get broken, windows get broken, all kinds of bad things happen. Whatever trip company you're using to go to Orlando this weekend, I'm sure that they know that all already as well. Because it seems like every trip we go on, uh, we've used music travel consultants a lot, and they plan every single minute. Right. Absolutely. And we we actually do both. We, we plan our own. Uh, I, I sort of like doing that. And we go through a travel agent, like for Midwest, we have a travel group that's taking care of that. And I, I think it's, it's one of those things where, um, you don't want to miss, you know, you demand that the kids are consistent and that they're careful in their performance. This is your performance. And I, I wish I could say I've never missed, but I have, and I've made sure that I only missed once. The last part of that administrative part that I would say is repair. Now, you may not be great at repair, but you want to have some extra things. Like we always travel with one extra of as many instruments as we can have. Same thing with electronics, an extra microphone, an extra cord, an extra power cable, because something will go wrong. So if you can at least have the extras, that's good. Maybe it's even just a thing where you've talked to another director that's going to be at the contest and you kind of have a a, a friendly agreement of if you have a problem, call me whatever, or, you know, sometimes, um, well, we have a big repair kit that we bring with us and I've had to use it every time. So make sure you think through, you know, the staff coordination, the time management, the, which includes buses and the repair. You're trying to figure out what could go wrong. The more you think about what could go wrong, the less likely it does. So the next kind of group of problems we're going to talk about is performance problems. And I know one thing that I'm struggling with right now is that our closers at 192 beats per minute and it's the freshest thing in their minds. And, you know, we're struggling with that. You know, we're not going to struggle with it forever, but right now from a performance standpoint, I just need our feet to move faster. In fact, I was in the middle of the field today and Chris was up in the tower and I just yelled at the top of my lungs. There's no way your feet are too fast. You know, it was like the same problem every time. Feet were slow. Well, Jeff, you have to know, though, that several of our listeners just groaned and said 192. Right. <laughs> Poor you. <laughs> yeah. At least it wasn't 205. But right, whatever. right. Yeah. But I would say, you know, that's true for whatever tempo that you have that your kids aren't used to yet. Jump. There's always kind of that invisible hurdle that they have a tough time getting over. And I wish I could say that with this amount of time, they will get it. I remember there's several times where we've really worked at something and then just all of a sudden one day it was like, oh, you mean like this? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, that's one of the things I have learned over the years with that tempo stuff. Like you, it just takes time and you can't really rush it. 
I, I got to be honest, I lie to the Wando children all the time. Our opener was set at 164, and there's just all these running 16th notes in the woodwinds. And so we started at 144. And then I went to the drum major, you know, a week later, and I said, bump it up to 152. And we mm-hmm. never said a word about it. Hey, that's called boiling the frog. Have you ever heard that term before? Boiling the frog? No, right. I haven't. Uh, apparently, if you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, it'll jump right out. But if you put ah. a if you put a frog in a, in a room temperature water and slowly heat it up, it'll never jump out. I don't well, know why I, that's helpful. You know, I've never really wanted to cook a frog, but <laughs> that's but that the, term has I've known it for twenty years, and maybe I'm the only person who used it. But well, uh, the analogy is is very real. When when we when the kids don't think about something being hard, it won't be, and. Uh, so I would I would encourage people to you know I would also say this I would rather see you perform cleanly at 144 than to see you stumble through at 160. Yeah, except the drumline and the drumline instructors are like, nope, <laughs> nope, muscle memory, we're not doing it at that tempo. <laughs> so yeah, God well, bless it, them. you know, everybody has their own thing. I would tell you this at Marion, we and it's really interesting. We would often not use a metronome, which is sacrilege. For most folks, but Greg was very much about. I want to get the tempo in their head. We would we would have it start us off, you know, eight clicks and go. But then he he really did not want the metronome going constantly unless we just really could not get something. And I've seen the benefits of that, and I've seen the challenges of that. I think that what we're saying here is, if you are having a tempo problem, be patient with it. Yeah. And, and think about being a little bit more, and we're going to talk about this right now, consistent with it, consistently try to bump it up. And that's our sort of second category of performance problems is consistency. My kids right now, if we do a tune five times, three of them are going to be magnificent and two of them are going to make you want to throw up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's now, very typical this time of year. You, you really can't count on anything being awesome at any right. one point in time. And I, I would say that I have to remind my staff and my st- myself sometimes, those two that were bad were not abysmal. They just weren't great. And so you, you I think you don't want to beat the kids up because there's nothing like destroying their confidence by saying something's terrible. Well, terrible is a strong word. We were maybe terrible in June, but if we're terrible now, guess whose fault that is? Um I'm, I'm the professional who's been hired to work with them for the past three months. So just just be careful with that. They're not going to be consistent yet. Um, Bobby, I keep coming back to something Mike said last week. Uh, Mike Pote said in, in the Teach from the Light episode, and that yeah, is... Which is awesome. Students, if you haven't listened to yeah. it yet, if you yeah, haven't listened I to it yet, stop what you're it's doing like right they're now. They're not trying to be bad they're not trying to make mistakes and i just all week i've been like oh yeah okay we've been learning a lot of drill we just learned the whole closer it's probably like 40 sets you know we haven't had a lot of fundamentals time we definitely haven't done fundamentals at 192 okay this is my fault this is our fault but this is what we have to do right now this is mid-season this is what it is well it's 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 not a fault it's a circumstance isn't it i mean it's it just is what it is and the the kids are the last people to blame. You have to look in the mirror first yep. about some of those things. Well, the last part of this, where we are right now, is we don't quite have the endurance to do the closer 
as full out as we want to. I can I, I remember back in August, the kids could get through the opener and they were ready to die. Well, and then we added the ballad and we could get through the ballad and they were ready to die. And then we added, you know, chunks of our closer and with each new chunk it it uh, it's very interesting to see them do just the ballad and the opener right now. They they can do it without really breaking a sweat. Well, they do, but it, it they can do that probably three times and not uh, and be ready to do a fourth. But you add our closer, and there's sort of the mental energy that it takes, and the physical energy, and the perception. They just don't quite have the endurance yet. So we're having to really work on our physical, um, <laughs> our physical prowess, for lack of a better word, and, and doing some running and doing some breathing while we're running to make sure that we can do our full nine and a half minute show. So if a hurricane happens to blow through your area and you're inside for the day, can you play through the whole show start to finish with, with endurance? Right. Cause I, I, I know that we, like we can march through most of our show with endurance. We can play through most of our show with endurance. You put them together and it's like, Nope, not yet. Yeah. Well, our, our, uh, head visual guy tim cole he does a great thing where he will have us especially if we're just focused on a particular part of the show that we're trying to build endurance on he'll say okay let's play it you know let's say it's a minute long segment so they do the minute he'll say okay go take a lap all right here we go now let's do it again okay go take a lap and now come back and do it again and his whole point is nerves and fatigue feel very similar mm. on the field. They cause some of the same problems. So you find that the less secure the band is, of course, the more problems they make, but also the slower that they'll try to play it and with the least accuracy. So when they, we try to kind of get fatigue in there as much as possible so that they can build the endurance, but also just the mental endurance. That's one of the toughest things. Yeah. And when you're traveling with a group and you've had them up late or up really early, if you haven't taken good care of them, there's no way that performance will be good. And it's your fault, director, not the kids. Yeah. I mean, we want them to be confident and rested and confident and rested. And they're yes. not always going to be both, you know, but uh, I think it, it's a it's a great goal for us to have right now is to to help them with that endurance and that confidence and also not beat them down so much that they just can't get through mentally. Right. Well, we kind of have gone, let's, let's kind of start wrapping things up into the box and packaging it so that everybody can understand where we are. So we start talking about critiquing or going into critique with judges and you're getting the tapes and, you know, how do you decipher what the tapes mean? I, I think to kind of close that little little chapter, I would say, when you get the feedback, look at it and say, what's going to help us the most? Things that are at the beginning, the end, or at the arrival points of stuff, those are your most important. If they're saying, well, you have a clarinet player who's behind, um, the whole band doesn't need to work on that. Sure. The clarinets and you need to work on that. But you know, try and find those those big wins out of the, the tapes. And if you're not sure... Um, have the kids listen to it and say, what do you think are the most important things? And the kids will pick up on it pretty fast. After we talked about the judges and the critique, we, we went to um, administrative issues about time and staff coordination and buses and repairs. And then Jeff closed us out with performance problems and you know the tempo and the consistency and the endurance. 
We know we told you that we want to talk about behavior problems as well, but we've got a whole other podcast coming up that will really delve into that and give you some insight onto how you may be able to address it. Well, I think that about wraps it up for today. I do, I know that um, I'm really glad that one of our listeners posted something on Facebook about wanting to hear a little bit more about this. So please, everybody, um, you know, find us on social media. Give us an email, Jeff at dynamicmarching.com or Bobby at dynamicmarching.com. Um, share your thoughts, questions, suggestions, your wins and losses. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Bobby Lambert. And this has been That Band